0: I think what's, again, bringing this full circle is what's fantastic is once you start to actually accurately track it, then the CFO and the CRO are looking at this from a different lens because it's, oh, wait, I actually didn't know that this was really moving the needle that much, or I didn't know that when you get four partners involved on a deal, like it closes 50% faster.
1: Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Minzion, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Minzion. Welcome to or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. Account-based networking. What is it, and how can it help your organization achieve its greatest results? My next guest for the podcast, knows more about this topic than anyone. Adam Milkowski is the CEO of partnered.io and a successful podcast host of the partnered podcast. I was delighted to welcome Adam as a guest because he and I both share an immense passion around partnering. In this episode, Adam and I discuss partnered.io and its unique mission. We also discuss some of the topics shaping this decade of the ecosystem. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed welcoming Adam Milkowski. Before we dive into the interview, I'm happy to announce that PartnerTap has become a founding sponsor of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I've been friends with the founders of PartnerTap for many years, and PartnerTap is the only partner ecosystem platform designed for the enterprise. Their technology makes it easy to align channel teams with automated account mapping letting you control what data you share while building a partner revenue engine. I'm so excited to have them on board. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Vince,
0: so great to be here. Thanks so much for having
1: me. I am so excited to have you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You and I have a shared passion around partnering, and you have both a successful business venture now and a podcast that's been very successful on the same topic. So welcome.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Vince. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I think you set the stage for what a successful podcast in the space needed to be. So yeah, I'm super pumped to be here, super
1: excited to to riff on a bunch of different topics, podcast included. So for our listeners that don't know Adam, tell us a little bit more about you and your mission.
0: Yeah, good question. So I'm Adam Mahalski, co-founder and CEO of a company called Partnered. And what we basically do as a company is we work with uh, high growth or enterprise stage companies to help them increase what we call their, their partner attach rate. So the combination of sourced and influenced revenue. So that's basically what we do is our mandate as an organization. Myself personally, I'm really passionate about the problem because I spent my entire career uh, kind of at the intersection of both sales and partnership and see how impactful it could be for organizations, but ultimately realized that there just really wasn't a lot of infrastructure. So. That's what kind of led me to start the company and focus uh, or dedicate, that's <laughs> at this point, been the last three years of my life towards solving this problem. The other area that I focus heavily on is also my podcast, uh, The Partnered Podcast. So we've been doing it for about two years now. I actually started it right at the beginning of the pandemic, sponsored by partnership leaders. And it's awesome. We do them on a weekly basis, interview some like some great folks, like a lot of which that you and I both have as mutual friends as well. <laughs> and have actually learned a great deal just from the ability to kind of like interview and and speak with and ask questions of some of the most like thought, most forward thinking folks in the space such as yourself. So
1: yeah, that's a little bit about me. I love what you are doing. I really do. And uh, the two years you've been going full blast, I think you're up to almost 100 episodes now, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we've been doing them every single week. Honestly, it's one, it's fun giving back because I think this is a quick changing space, which we'll probably get into. So a lot of folks just need best practices and how to ramp up. But it's also just been educational for myself as well. And just being able to actually, I had a very myopic view of the world of just the tech partnership integrations and focusing
1: on that piece of the puzzle. But there's obviously a lot more to partnering that day as well. So you brought up two terms that I want to make sure our listeners understand fully. You talked about sourced revenue and influence revenue. Can you describe those for our listeners?
0: Yeah, 100%. So sourced is the most straightforward. You can think about it as like this revenue would not have existed if it wasn't from a partner. Usually that's an introduction, for example. So if you're working with a partner and they introduce you to a client, that wasn't sourced by marketing. It wasn't sourced by your sales team. It was sourced by the partnership team. So this is the most typical way that organizations will judge the revenue coming from the partner program is, is by source. But I'd say really over the past couple year years, we're increasingly seeing it now is folks trying to understand and really goal towards the power of the influenced revenue. So it's really acknowledging the fact that partners aren't just useful for just your cookie cutter introductions, but they can also provide like information, they can provide recommendations, they can really help you get the deal done faster for more money really using their influence or using their trust or using their their leverage their relationships so influence is another one that's a a trickier one to track and there is a whole variety of ways that we can discuss that and the problems around that but that's really the high level breakdown between sourced and influenced
1: revenue our good friend our mutual good friend we were talking about earlier jay McBain has talked about the five seats at the table right the customer is looking to their key influencers in terms of making their decision. And I think that this is a really important topic around influence and influence revenue. And I believe a lot of organizations miss this. So tell us about how you're solving for that with partnered IO.
0: The anecdote that I kind of use here, paint the picture is if somebody were to say, if you were in the market for purchasing a new phone, and one of your friends says, buy an iPhone, and then another friend says, buy an iPhone, and then your third friend says, buy an iPhone, like your propensity to purchase that iPhone is going to increase every single time, because you're within that they're within your sphere of influence, you trust them. So therefore, therefore, whenever they say that you should do something, you're going to take that as like one of the highest forms of reason on why you should actually like you trust them. So that's really like the core thing that we think about in terms of influences. Figuring out who are those folks who are within that sphere of influence. It might be an agency. It might be existing tech vendors in there. It might be a channel. It could be a whole variety of different folks that if you're not really influencing the influencers who have influence over your customer... (laughs) then you're not going to be part of those conversations. And a lot of those you know, conversations, whether you like it or not, are going to be happening behind like closed doors. And say the CMO of an organization goes to procure new technology, the first place that he or she is going to go is to, the, to that sphere of influence. They're going to say, who do you, Who should we talk to for this solution or for this problem that we have? So it's really important to be investing in that. Now, the way in which our solution works is that we do a number of things, and it really depends on the organization's, like, organization's goals. But one is working with an enterprise organization on figuring out who should they be partnering with from the start, working with them to actually get connected and share data across both of their organizations. But then that's really the bare minimum. From there, we have a system that we call account-based networking that we use to basically deploy at an organization so that they can systematically go about increasing their partner sourced and partner influenced revenue. Now, that's a combination of workflows, processes, but also the ability to actually like accurately track both sourced and inference, which is, is really one of the most critical pieces here. Because if you can't track it, then you can't measure towards it, you can't goal towards it, you actually can't yeah, without the data, it's really tough to actually tell if any of this stuff works. So that's really the end-to-end piece that we call account-based networking. And that's account-based networking is the process that we use, but the partner is the tool that we deploy to help you run account-based networking effectively at your organization.
1: So for our listeners, give us an example of how this works. Like I'm thinking, all right, I'm going after a big opportunity. There are several buying influences in that opportunity. Does the system, does the application allow us, allow me to determine who might be the points of influence and then connect with them? Well, how does that work?
0: Yeah, it starts with actually integrating all of this information into the sales team's workflows. So step one, just the baseline for the audience over here, whenever you sell with a partner, like at this point, the data is extremely clear. It will lead to up to 40% faster sales cycles, up to 181% bigger deal sizes, up to 16% higher close rates. So leveraging partners in your deals, and and most organizations understand this already, like they, they know that's the case. Where a lot of this falls apart is, for example, the CRO or the CMO or even the CEO will set these goals of, hey, we want to get to X partner sourced or X partner influence within the next one year, three years, five years. But there's really no plan in between. So there's, uh, let's get to these goals. And well, maybe we throw partner managers at it. Maybe we, like, we're like we just going to try and brute force that number. But without an actual process, which is what we call account-based networking, it's really difficult to actually to actually move that in a more regimented or systematic fashion. So what we do is when we work with organizations is we're basically, we'll vertically integrate our tools for the salesperson, the sales directors, the CRO, the VP of sales, all of which who have different types of needs. But being able to actually push when they should be working with the ecosystem for the salespeople, being able to actually tell the sales directors when they should or should not be working with the ecosystem and how well their sales team actually is doing that. But then also for the CRO, like boiling these into the actual insight so that they know, is this actually working? What happens when one of my partners sources or influences a deal? Does that actually move the needle? a lot of that is where you start to actually get the insight, then allow the CRO to justify additional spend in the ecosystem. So that's a high level. There's obviously a lot more to it that I'm happy to get into, but it's really making sure that you vertically integrate all of this into the actual existing salesperson workflow. That's really when you can start to increase this number, the what we call the partner attach rate or combination of source and influence revenue. Like dramatically. And what's great, one thing I'll just add here, Vince, is when you do move that needle on that partner attach rate, like you're talking, this is not like a small number. For most organizations, like millions of dollars of incremental revenue that you can really do. So it's, it's exciting to be able to partner with organizations
1: to actually deploy these processes that help them really hit their business goals. It sounds exciting to me. And so I'm assuming you're integrating across their CRM solutions and then you are using something like AI, the predictive or predictive analytics in order to tell the sales rep, this is a time to engage a partner.
0: Yeah, so the what's really cool here there's a couple of data sets that we use. So one is obviously the CRM. In most cases, that's Salesforce or in some cases that's HubSpot. But where there's really been this emergence of new data that's super exciting and that really has allowed us to exist is this new account mapping data. So you have companies like Crossbeam or Reveal or even organizations who are doing this in like the CSV sharing way of actually sharing account mapping data. So what's great is like we aggregate all of that data, basically crunch that and analyze it and then provide the insights to the sales team. On the back end, of that, we'll provide like workflows for the partner managers, which they can use to facilitate any back and forth, and all of that gets
1: tracked and fed back into the model so that we understand like where these teams should be investing their time. It's a fascinating topic; it really is. And we could spend the whole episode here, but we're going to send people the links to learn more from you, Adam, about Partnered IO, and also you know, maybe get a demonstration. So, I want to dive in here on this topic too because we have both in, been in. And have interviewed friends like Jay McBain and Alan Adler and this whole topic of ecosystems and partnerships. And it ties into this conversation about why you need an application like partner.io is because it's so complex. It's going to become even more complex because of ecosystems and constellations and various other ways that organizations work across various ecosystem groups. So... I want to dive in a little bit here about this topic of ecosystems and partnerships. What are you seeing from your vantage with regards to this acceleration that we're all been seeing in partnering in ecosystems?
0: Yeah, this is a great question. Somebody actually asked me this last week and it like forced me to take a step back and be like, okay, what? why is all this happening? Because for us and everyone who's like boots on the ground, it's very easy for us to see that a lot of this is changing, you know? And rapidly, there's more partner managers who are more job descriptions for partner managers, more organizations are hiring partner po- folks, like the investment in the space, both from uh, the corporate side, but also even like the private equity side has been increasing. So the question was like, why? And I actually spent like some time just over the past weekend thinking through, it. I think it's a number of factors. It's tough to point towards any individual factor. But what's what was really interesting is like when you think about like your traditional go to market channels, you have sales, you have marketing. A lot of these, when you think about it, like over the past couple of years and during the pandemic have become increasingly saturated. Like you lost in-person events, you lost the ability to like actually sell to your target persona via like traditional channels of meeting up with them in person or even having like attending marketing events. Marketing has also become increasingly saturated. And then you have things like the death of the cookie that are coming into play here where Companies like Apple and Google are like deprecating some of the primary ways for actually measuring your ad spend and being able to actually target, you know, specific personas. So, the like a lot of those channels were already difficult to begin with. For sales teams, cold calling was never easy. And now it just became significantly harder because everybody's using the exact same channels at the exact same time. For marketing, now, you know, see, like the cost per acquisition was already decreasing heavily. And now it just became infinitely harder because everybody flooded all those channels. And now it's, you can't target as well. So I think that one of the major things was all of these kind of changes were when bundled together made it very clear that there has to be a better way. And folks were basically looking and it's like, okay, cool. There's this really awesome, like almost like uncovered gem in the partnership program that never really got the credit that it deserved. So now it's like, all right, let's take a serious look at that. And it's, oh, wow, it actually performs probably the best out of all of our channels. And it benefits not only sales, it benefits product, it benefits customer success, it benefits marketing, like you can use it in a variety of different ways. So I think a lot of that was like the core changes that were probably already underway, but just expedited because of the pandemic in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. And our good friend Jay has coined this the decade of the ecosystem, and he gave a pretty great uh, talk about this, in fact. And I know you've had him and, and Alan come on, in fact, to to debate the decade of the ecosystem. He had him on a recent episode, and I found the conversation fascinating. What was the most profound thing you learned during that conversation?
0: Yeah, it was really good. I know we were joking a little bit about this before, but I think yeah, Alan and Jay—they're looking at the problem from two sides of the, the same coin in a lot of different ways. I think that Alan's super focused the the tech side, which is interesting in like modern SaaS organizations, but Jay is looking at this more holistically in terms of what I kind of like to think about as like the legacy channel, and like that's not going anywhere anytime soon. And so in a lot of different ways, they were arguing very similar points. There was obviously some areas where they sparred, which which was pretty fun. But I think yeah, what what I like or the most about that conversation was just where the intersection of both of them, it was like the no brainers. And one of the big takeaways was the shift that we're seeing now, some of which we were just covering on the question before this of if you a good way that I like to think about it is like sales had its moment where it went from like an art to a science and and marketing had its moment where it went from an art to a science. And for way too long partnerships or investing in your ecosystem was an art folks would just like point at the partnership people and be like eh, i don't really know what they do over there on the, on their island now because of frankly forums like your podcast and the all the communities that are spot, like spawning up and all of the like increased thought leadership that's happening in this space like they were starting or really still at the first inning but we're really starting to actually share more of those best practices which allows us to create more of that science behind how you actually run these partnerships. Programs. I don't think it's ever going to be the same as like uh, sales or marketing because those are like, it's a lot more you could have a standard playbook where partnerships really depends on the goals of your organization, the maturity of your organization, there's a ton of different variables. But what's exciting is that like both Jay and Alan are on the same page that like where there is this tectonic shift that's happening. And a lot of what's happening over the next couple of years, it's really what these entire industry of partnership professionals are going to be able to stand on a much more solid foundation, which is what particularly exciting. You
1: mentioned something really important here about moving from art to science. And the piece that's been missing on the partnership side has been attribution, quite frankly, right? It's been the ability to track or even the vigilance and Uh, focus on tracking that information. Salespeople have a mindset sometimes of being go it alone. And I want to ring the bell. I want to take the credit for the deal. And oh, yeah, partner might have been involved. But no, I really closed everything myself. So I think this a a different mindset has to be infused into an organization for this to be successful. Don't you agree?
0: Yeah, this is one that I'm personally extremely passionate about because I really do start. What's interesting is when you start putting real data behind most partner programs, it's step one is just most of these programs just aren't being tracked properly. We work with some organizations where we see 50, 60, 70% of their attribution being missed. Which means that there's no chance <laughs> that you're able to actually accurately drive. It's like like uh, driving your car with you know one wheel and then blaming the car, but it's actually <laughs> it's the fact that you didn't install three of those wheels. So yeah, that, that's I think it's such a crucial part. And then frankly, if the CFO or the CRO is looking at that data when you're only getting like very limited inputs, the logical conclusion is always going to be, hey, this isn't working. Let me take budget and put it towards the areas where I know that if I put a dollar in, I get X dollars out sales, marketing. So the attribution component of this is one that I think is really important. There's there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that most organizations have just right off the bat, just deploying like, like some standard processes now of actually being able to just track this. But a lot of the methodologies and the ways of actually really making sure that you're best in class at tracking this are where we work with a lot of our clients and I think what's, again, bringing this full circle is what's fantastic is once you start to actually accurately track it, then the CFO and the CRO are looking at this from a different lens because it's, oh, wait, I actually didn't know that this was really moving the needle that much. Or I didn't know that when you get four partners involved on a deal,
1: like it closes 50% faster. How do you instill best practices? Like how do you counsel these organizations to get to best practices?
0: Yeah. the A lot of it is frankly just a technology. For the longest time, this has just been a manual initiative for an organization where like most companies will basically have a sourced or influenced object or or a combination of both on the opportunity in their CRM that gets manually filled out, sometimes by partnership managers, sometimes by the sales team. The problem is the sales team is not compensated on filling that out. And as you mentioned earlier, oftentimes it's like, hey, I closed the deal. Why would I give credit to anybody else? So all of those misincentives are in place because of the fact that's a very manual process. So what we basically try to do is apply like a technology layer that allows us to basically capture a lot of that attribution without the need for it to be all incredibly manual. And that's just a lot of different ways of basically like our best practices are one, making sure that we're integrated with all the different communication channels and making sure that we can see all the communication that's happening with partners, whether that be in email and on their calendar with, with Slack, for example, a lot of folks will use shared Slack channels, but be able to actually track all of that and then put it back in the hands of the partnership manager who can ultimately make that decision because they're often the ones who are gold on you know, the revenue outcome of these relationships, source or influence revenue. So
1: from a technological perspective, that's how we do it. So what do you see from the best in the best? Like, What do the best partners do differently or better?
0: Yeah, it starts with like in terms of numbers here. So, like the way that we like to boil this down is like for simplicity purposes, just putting it all into one number, which is what we call like the partner attach rate. So, what that means is like a good example here: say your company has a million in pipeline that you're going after for this quarter. What you want to do is have as, m- as close to a hundred percent of that pipeline be partner attached as possible. That means that the partner is involved on all those deals. Most companies will be somewhere between 15 to 20% today. Now, some good companies are around like 20 to 30%. Great companies, you know, have cracked the code on this and then they're they're up from like 30 to sometimes even as high as 60 to 70 percent. But and what's great is you can actually just back of the napkin model what happens when you increase that you like that percent on each percentage. You're talking like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in incremental pipeline that you can get. Or close faster because you're able to actually involve your partners in those deal cycles. That's like the like a quick high level breakdown of and and what's cool is a lot of these different organizations already like they know this. They've actually been able to like see like uh, and or even just quickly model out like the impact. But it's really the system that they need to make sure that they can increase that. And that's where we've been investing a lot in what we call like our, our account based networking framework, so that companies have an actual system. And it's not just let's throw as much against the wall and see what sticks.
1: I love what you have to say here. Is there a place we can take our listeners to go find out more information about some of these statistics you you quoted today?
0: Yeah. I think if you just go to Google and Google account-based networking, that's one way to do it. Or if you go to partner.com, we actually have a banner up at the top of our site that says Learn ABN. We've put a decent amount of resources into what we call like our ABN 101 area of our, our resources section so that will teach you a lot about what is it why do we think it's the future of sales like how to actually do how to run this motion yeah there's a couple of different resources that, that folks can definitely check out
1: i love it and for Organizations, up. we'll send we'll send our listeners there, absolutely. But if anyone wants to reach out to you personally, Adam, what's the best way for them to do?
0: This? Ooh, good question. Anywhere, so you can check me out on LinkedIn. Super responsive on LinkedIn. We, we post our, our Friday memes, which is uh, something that's just a personal hobby of mine <laughs> that I put together. So you can ping me the, directly there. You can reach out to me via email at adam or yeah, or various communities. So I'm involved in pretty much all of them at this point. Partnership Leaders, Cloud Software Association. So, you you know, if you see me there, you're more than welcome to just Slack me directly in any of those places.
1: Great. We'll send our listeners there. And Adam, you might know I'm fascinated with the career journey and helping other early and career professionals advance their careers. And it's so great to have somebody like yourself that has been so passionate here around this area of partnering. But for our listeners, I'd love for them to understand a little bit more about your journey and your just cause around partnering. Like, how did you get here?
0: Yeah. It's interesting. It's fun always looking back on this and thinking through it. I know you and I have to wait. We, we've discussed this, but we're both, uh, New Jersey boys. So I, I grew up in the Jersey. There's something
1: in the water there. I think, is that it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That just makes you want a podcast, right? <laughs> but, uh, but no, in, in, in all seriousness, yeah, I, I, I this wasn't a role that or something that I saw myself 10 years ago doing. I was in, in finance and working in, in the banking industry. And ultimately it was just, I, I just, Wanted to get more into tech and then realized that sales was interesting. Started to realize that like the effect that partnerships had was very clear to me. Like at the, My prior organization that I was working at, a company called Branch, but whenever partners would get involved on the deals, it was just like it was astronomically higher close rates. We would close them for more money, we would close them faster. So I was just like, hey, this is a no brainer. And then it was just like the, the processes and everything were so manual and it, it was really hampering it. So honestly, nights and weekends, me and my buddy would just start building technology just because we wanted to help like our day jobs uh, and then realized it was a more pervasive problem, which is what led me into kind of the more entrepreneurship journey. But but yeah, I think honestly, like the one recommendation that I would have would just be follow whatever makes you curious. Like it's not something that I've set out to do from the beginning. I just started to realize that, okay, it was something that I'm interested in. Let me build something in the space. Oh, how other people have very similar problems. So make kind of was a natural progression from there.
1: Was there a best piece of advice on the journey?
0: yeah it was a good question because a lot of folks will come I'm still early in my entrepreneurship journey but like folks will come to me for advice now and the I was actually just having a conversation with somebody yesterday and my advice was like there there is no right right or wrong path I think that a lot of folks are like they, you've been taught to think that here is the playbook on how you become successful and like here's a playbook for each one of your like career journeys the difference is like in entrepreneurship there's no right or wrong and ultimately you're going to be the arbiter of your own success like you need to figure out all of the different like you need to figure it out for yourself nobody's going to actually tell you this is how you do x y and z there's some systems and some things that you can piggyback off of but ultimately like you need to make the decisions for yourself And where I see a lot of folks like tripping up is they will look at somebody else's journey and then try to like pattern match that against their own, not realizing that there is like thousands of different variables that go into
1: each individual business. That would be... They're trying to hack it,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, because you've been taught that your entire life that like, okay, here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. Unfortunately for building a company, like there is no right or wrong way. It's it's ultimately your journey and you got to figure it out on the way.
1: I love what you have to say here. We're going to have a little bit of fun right now. This is one of my favorite questions and I'm, we are hopefully, and we're talking about being in Florida and New Jersey and the world is opened up and I hope we continue to stay open by the way. I don't want to go back in any form, but you have this opportunity now to host an amazing dinner party and you could invite any guests, three guests, in fact, from the past or the present, who would you invite Adam to this amazing dinner party and why? Oh, this is a fun one. I'm I'm struggling between three or four. Can I say four or is that cheating? We'll let you have a fourth. We'll put an extra seat at the table. How's that?
0: (laughs) All right, cool. So the two no brainers for me, just because it's always an intellectually like fun conversation and always like pushes my thinking of the space. Whenever I chat with both of these individuals, it's definitely Jay McBain, my mutual friend. And also Alan Adler, Mm -hmm. who I think is like really, really, these guys are two of the most forward thinking in the space. And I always tend to learn a bunch from them. And then I'll include two fellow podcasters, one of which is Jared Fuller, who I always tend to enjoy that conversation. He runs the Partner Up podcast. And then I would say the last one, and why I wanted to make sure I included is, is you, Vince. I think I've been a huge fan of your podcast, honestly, since the very early days of us starting up our own podcast. So I think that What's great is because Jay and Alan are in a league of their own, but with the, uh, you and Jared, you've heard so many different like opinions and what's happening in the space, and it always tends to lead to very good conversations. So I would say that would be that'd be my ideal dinner like dinner party right
1: there. All right, we're gonna have to do this then. We since we're all in the present, we all can be there, and maybe what we'll do is we'll do a follow up podcast and have us all on. How's that? I like that. Yeah.
0: I was going to say we can do, uh, well, we'll have the, the rumble in the jungle. I know last time it was the big boxing match, but we can do a, a little bit more of, uh, what, what was it called? Like a, a cage match where you get multiple people
1: involved. I don't know. Since it's a dinner party, we got to have some fun. Maybe we'll have some adult beverages or something. What do you think?
0: I'm cool with that. Yeah, we'll shoot it on a Friday afternoon.
1: <laughs> Adam, I am so excited to welcome you. I hope we continue our friendship and conversation. You said some very nice things today. I am equally impressed with what you've accomplished in your, what I would say, shorter span or career. And you've been doing some really great work. And I just want to continue to cheer you on in the work that you're doing. And hopefully our listeners will get to listen to your podcast. We're going to provide links in the show notes. We're going to provide a link to that rumble in the j- jungle that happened with, with Jay and Alan so that other people can learn as much forward from these forward-thinking people. So thank you so much for joining today, Adam.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Vince. I really appreciate the time. And I'm excited to, to continue to, to stay in touch as the space continues to evolve. I have no doubt that so probably be the first of many. There's a, there's a lot of cool stuff happening and will continue to happen over the next couple of years in the space. So I'm excited
1: to be on the journey with you. I'm excited as well. Thank you. Thank you. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, facebook and instagram you can also like and follow ultimate guide to partnering on our facebook page or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com this episode of the podcast is sponsored by PartnerTap, the partner ecosystem platform most trusted by enterprise drive more revenue with your partners and learn more at partnertap.com.